Colleen. Hey, Hannah. So this is between a rock and a hard place, although it kind of looks like a storage closet. But seriously, we're here to talk about life in Iraq. Right. So this week you're stuck with just me. Well, not just me. I have two guests. It's our first time ever having two guests, actually. Really? So congratulations. I have John and Mary Nelson. Say hello. 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 And uh, we brought them on because, well, they're married and neither Colleen and I were ever married in Iraq. Or what, now, what for about, that matter. Okay, I was going to ask that. <laughs> or before. And so we wanted to talk to you guys about life in Iraq as a married couple, and then you also were in Iraq with young kids. So why don't we start with how you ended up in Iraq? I know for a lot of us it's like, oh, it's my whole life. Briefly, I, I guess the answer would be at that time of our lives, um, this was 2000. 10, August of 2010 for the first time, um, we had been forming some deep relationships, deep friendships with uh, some international students in Erie, Pennsylvania, where we were living at the time. Um, these were really the first folks we had ever known from overseas, uh, certainly from the Middle East and Central Asia area. And it was just great. We got to know them. They lived with us for a season. It was just a really impactful time of relationship cross-cultural relationship. I think we wanted more of that and we were we didn't have any kids yet. We had been married two or three years at that point so I think I think we just wanted to kind of take another step and see what it would be like to live overseas and be in another culture. Do you feel like uh, when you initially talked to your families about this were they like uh that's not a good idea or were they like hey oh, you're married do what you want my family did not like the idea at all they grew more accustomed to it after we started fundraising and everything but initially they weren't very happy the whole iraq factor tends to sure. make people nervous we were were we nervous i don't remember really being nervous i think maybe it was a little more nervous than you were yeah with good reason all that we read about the kurdistan region in particular really reassured us very different place, I think, than southern Iraq, at least. And also meeting people from SGI. Right. Who knew what it was like to live there really helped. Mm -hmm. Right. And when we were able to convey a lot of that back to our families, my family in particular, they felt better about it, too. Mm -hmm. When you got to Iraq, what were some of your first, like, initial... Was there something that was like, this is really different than I thought that it would be, or... Well, we got there in August, and it was hot. That's the first <laughs> thing I noticed. It was like stepping into a blast furnace. Right, and we, you, we you... walked off the airplane. At that time, there was no jet bridge or anything. You just go down onto the tarmac, and opening that plane door was... It was 120 degrees outside, and you couldn't even open your eyes because the sunlight was so bright. It really took our breaths away. Yeah. And I grew up in West Texas, so I'm used to some some hot heat, but nothing like that. <laughs> and so your first year, you were on a team with another married couple who, they just had one kid at the time, They did. Right? Yes. Xander was, I think, a year and a half? A year. Just a little over a year. A year. How do you feel like your team dynamics changed because the next year, did you have single girls on your team? No, well, we started with Stacy. Yeah, we too. had Stacy. Stacy was already there, though, okay. so she was kind of well-established. No, the next year, Dan and Julie were there. Okay, so three married couples. That's right. Yes. And then Helen, Helen came in. start that year? Yeah, she yeah, did. Yeah, because mm -hmm. we came back with Henry, and she... Yeah, she was there when we came back with Henry. So do you feel like 
the dynamic of your team changed because of that? Or do you feel like she just kind of blended right in? I think she blended right in. She was very used to being around people with kids, and she fit in really well at the school. And Speaking she, of Helen, yes. specifically, mm -hmm. yeah. I think for us as a couple, we when we got there, we didn't have kids, and so obviously you're a little more footloose and fancy-free. You can... You can stay up late, you can be more flexible, and, and the bishops had Xander, so they were they were a little more structured, trying to to work with his nap schedule and all that, and we just, we had no clue yet about stuff like that, but we were very soon to, to learn. Um, we got into that world with Henry our second year. When did we, when did we take Henry over? When he was eight weeks, seven weeks old, I think. Yeah. That, so that would have been the second semester. Yes. Mm -hmm. of Early on the end of January. Yeah. Let's talk about how that kind of changed changed your life, bringing your basically new newborn, firstborn son. I'm sure your families were thrilled about that. At that point, they knew what we were there for. We had been there already a year. Mm-hmm. And they were well prepared from the beginning of the pregnancy. <laughs> you know, we were definitely going to be taking him back. Right. So they weren't, I don't think they were yeah. too upset about us. I think the bigger, the bigger obstacle or the bigger thing that made everyone nervous was the initial going and making that decision. I don't think having the kids there was, was quite as the same shock to everyone. Yeah. And even us, I mean, we didn't, because we had lived there, we knew what it was like. We didn't feel any any anxiety about taking him with us. Yeah. I think the only anxiety we really felt was taking a baby on a 12-hour plane ride. Right. And actually, he tricked us. The very first long plane ride, he was... He slept the whole he time. He slept the whole time. We were like, what do people complain about? This is so easy. They had the little bassinet that hooked onto the wall right in front of you, and he just lay there and slept. We watched movies and talked, and it was easy. <laughs> Well, that was the only time it was ever like that. Of course, I mean, he was a newborn. When we went home after that year, he was seven months old, and that was definitely not an easy flight. Right. I would say it was awful. <laughs> we were the screaming, the Aww. screaming baby for the the whole eleven hour flight. Yikes! It was hard. So in in Iraq, how did? Because um, you guys were both teaching at the schools, even after you came back with. Henry, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So how did that change kind of your daily schedule, as it were? I I taught first. I went in the morning mm -hmm. um, and taught a class, and then I came home. John stayed at home with Henry while I was at the school, and then when I came home, he went to the school. So it made me feel a little bit more apart from the school, for yeah. sure, because I wasn't there for any of the breaks where you yeah. get to really sit and talk to kids and hang out. Especially compared to the previous year when we before were there. Henry, she taught full-time, I think four or five lessons a day. Mm -hmm. um, so I was there the whole day. So that was a change for me yeah. to feel that difference. Um, but it was still nice to be able to spend time at the school every mm -hmm. day, even though I had a baby to yeah. take care of. Yeah, it was really great how they were able to work out that schedule so that we could both keep teaching. Do you feel like it changed your relationships with teachers? Um, aside from just not seeing them as much, like, did you feel like people were more like, 
oh, you have a baby, you're more approachable, less approachable? I don't know that I was more or less approachable. I think... I think it just legitimizes you as a as a person or as an adult in a weird way that that maybe we don't have in the states there it seems like there's this hierarchy in the east of okay if you're a single unmarried person you're you're still a kid in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and then you know to get to that next level of of respectability you get married and but then i think the final step is once you start having kids People, especially older adults, start looking at you as okay. You're you're finally a real adult now. You have a family. You have these responsibilities. But I think there were still some questions from a lot of the other teachers. I mean, a lot of the other teachers that I knew there were also moms mm-hmm. that were there the whole day, and I think there were mm. some questions that maybe they didn't ask, and maybe they sometimes did ask, why I wasn't there the whole day, why I was different, why I had to be with my own baby instead of have someone else take care of it. Right. Yeah. Well, so as far as... They yeah. wondered why, why I was there at all if I wasn't going to be there full-time in some mm-hmm. ways. But they... Yeah, but the way it works so so often there is extended families pitch in to help each other. So... One, you know, those moms may be at school all day, but their child is with an aunt or a grandmother, mm-hmm. or something like that during the day, and we just didn't have that same support structure. Yeah. So I guess that would be a huge difference: is not having not having extended family around definitely makes it challenging to have kids overseas. Did people think that it was weird, John, that you stayed home with the baby? Like, I feel like that's very much not. Yeah. A Middle Eastern, like, no Middle Eastern man that I know would do that. I can't think of a specific conversation or comment that anyone made, but... I can. Really? I think the women were probably more free with their opinion. Really? John is there with (laughs) He knows how to change diapers. How will that work? Is your child going to be alive when you get home? (laughs) Well... I definitely got that impression (laughs) from some of the women there. But, yeah, it worked. I do remember... I vividly remember being in, Henry was his, was just a little guy, two, three months, and we went to a, a wedding or a, a wedding reception, and Henry's diaper needed to be changed, and I I changed it right there on the floor, like, I, I kind of like... did it on the table, I, No, I was on the floor, I promise you, I was on the floor, <laughs> and I tried to be discreet about it, but all eyes were on me. <laughs> this this American dad is changing his son's diaper, probably not in an appropriate place. <laughs> but I think the bigger spectacle was just that it was me, right? Instead of Mary, yeah. I don't I don't know what I was thinking. It was <laughs> embarrassing. I, I don't think I put the diaper on backwards, so you did it. You did it but right. We at least. <laughs> <laughs> to the amazement of all watching, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. I had conversations with you guys there that people, and maybe it was it was more of the bishops because the bishops' kids were a little bit older, about how other men would, like, notice how you and Andy, like, played with your kids and interacted with them in a positive way. Mm. Did, you, did you think about that, like, as you were parenting your kids? That, like, everyone is watching us? Like, was that... Sometimes, I... Th- yeah, I mean, I think that's just a part of life there. Whether you have kids or not, as uh, as a foreigner, you're definitely in a fishbowl. 
you you kind of always know in the back of your mind that people are looking at the way you do things, the way that you interact with with your spouse or your colleagues or your teammates, and that's definitely a part of your testimony uh, for for good or bad, knowing that knowing that you're being watched. I guess extending that into parenthood or in my case fatherhood, yeah, you know that that you're doing things probably differently than than other people might and that that'll get noticed but hopefully hopefully in a positive way Mary, <laughs> what are you like you have Mary's laughing at something story. I just remember all the women commenting on how I dressed my children whether it's 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 very cold why is his head not covered oh, yeah. or you know whatever mm-hmm. when it's 80 degrees and you don't have a coat on your kid and everyone wants to tell you that it's too cold for your child to be in shorts yeah do you, yeah, you definitely feel watched. Do you and, and feel like, because you've had kids the same age here in the U.S. too, do you feel like you got more, like, parental advice in Kurdistan? Yes, yes. Especially because we were there without extended family. I mm-hmm. think a lot, especially the older women mm-hmm. in the community, probably felt like they needed to say something to me about something maybe I was doing like in a motherly way right. yeah to yeah. help you to help be me. a better right mom. because my mom wasn't there to help or, mm-hmm. or John's mom wasn't there I do think that there were a lot of comments from that from that type of the community I don't think younger women right. would have judged me or thought too much about what I was doing um but definitely the older women in the community did mm-hmm. and in community like your neighbors or teachers at the school, yes, random all strangers. Of the I mean, yes, all <laughs> really, of yes. Oh, I man. mean, I can't even tell you how many women would come up to me and say, "Galaxora, <laughs> it's too cold." And in in fairness to to everyone, we didn't know what we were doing. Really, I mean, I we're <laughs> we're making it up as we go. We're this is our first child. We we would have you know we would have needed advice and and help anywhere in the states or or kurdistan and it's you know when random strangers come up to you and tell you the temperature it's it opens avenues to talk to people you wouldn't have talked to otherwise sure well that's for sure i'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that we need your help editing the transcription of the podcast so if you'd like to be a part of our podcasting team Send us a message. Yeah, we'll even give you credit at the end of the podcast. So, you know, your name and lights. Yes! Something. People love babies. Yeah. I mean, all over the world, but certainly in Kurdistan. They love blonde, blue-eyed babies. Yeah, a blonde, blue-eyed baby is... Which Henry was. Yeah. And, all of our and children. Millie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's like a doll. They, they can't not come up to you and hold your your little doll and mm-hmm. take pictures and sometimes take, take your child away that you, you're you like wait where are you going come back because <laughs> it's just it's just a big deal did that like worry you as a parent that like they're running off with my child <laughs> Not, i mean when we were at the school with the kids and other teachers that we maybe didn't know super well but at least knew they were part of the school right when they did it it wasn't worrisome but Maybe there were a few times when, when the we guy in the, the bazaar, you know, just comes up to you and does it. It's, yeah. Oh my word! It's and takes little... your kid behind a curtain, and right. you, you can't see either of them. And you can't communicate very well either. Yeah. Because our Kurdish was poor, and yeah, 
But you just you just kind of follow them around and wait wait for them to hand the baby back. And, and you also get used to it because it really happened everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think the first few times we were probably more yeah. nervous than other times. And it also happened a lot more with Henry than it did with Millie, our daughter. I think people felt more free to take the boy. The boy, yeah. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, let's talk about Millie. Um, you knew you were pregnant again and how like what was that like to be in the first stages of pregnancy in Kurdistan did you know with Henry as well in Kurdistan Mm -hmm. all right so tell me what that that was like John no comment from you yep (laughs) um I would say probably the worst thing would be feeling sick in early pregnancy and it's not necessarily appropriate to talk about the fact that you're pregnant so not being able to find excuses for when you're going to be sick and right. you need to go do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was always a little bit awkward. And not necessarily knowing if you could tell friends, good friends, even I think telling good friends that you're pregnant is not necessarily appropriate. So yeah. learning that balance was interesting. Can you talk about like why that might be kind of a taboo thing to talk about being pregnant? I, I think just in general you don't talk about... personal Personal things things. like if you need to use the restroom even it's not something Mm -hmm. it's maybe we're more free with oh I have to go to the bathroom here in the states and you wouldn't say anything like that there so similarly you wouldn't talk about being pregnant but then I think I don't think I was ever noticeably pregnant with Millie but we were there at a time when I was definitely noticeably pregnant with Henry right and then people feel more free to talk to you about it Mm -hmm. um even random strangers not necessarily strangers, but people you don't know very well. There were women that would come up to me and kiss my belly. Yeah, men would never do that. No, no. Right. Obviously. But <laughs> not n- no, not, I'm not talking just about the kissing, but they wouldn't They wouldn't bring up the fact of your pregnancy to you. Uh, it's very much a, a woman-to-woman thing. Would they bring it up to you? Maybe. Yeah. Just like the polite, like, so. Yeah. So, congrats. Mm-hmm. Have another kid. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you brought your babies back, did anybody, like, I know I have been to baby showers in Kurdistan after babies are born. Did people, like, do something similar or, like, bring you gifts or, like, anything like that? Or did they figure, you were in America, your family, because you had Henry and Millie both in the U.S., not in Iraq. Right. And then we came back soon after... I think whenever we got their passports, we came yeah. back and they were pretty young. Typically, about eight weeks or or so, we right. would travel back. I don't think... I mean, I've, I got a few gifts from close friends. Yeah. And it wasn't a normal thing for people to give us gifts for the yeah. kids. I think probably because they knew we had the babies in the States. Right. And did you ever think about having them in Kurdistan? Or were you pretty much like, eh, no. We did consider having our first in Kurdistan. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew the parent of one of our students could have delivered him, um, but talking to her... Because she was a doctor. Yeah. Not just like... No, not just random lady. Um, <laughs> she's a doctor. Um, she could have delivered him, but I, when, I went, when we went to visit her in the office, she... Um, they just do things differently. So mm-hmm. she talked about... I asked her how we would know for sure that she would be there when I was in labor. And she said, oh, we'll just induce you so that... So they can line up the schedule. While I'm on schedule. And that didn't sound very appealing to me, so... Sure. 
decided to have the kids in the States and be with family for that time. Mm-hmm. That was important to us, too. Yeah. yeah. But you did receive a lot of prenatal care over there. Yeah. Or some, right? From, from ultrasounds. Her, the, the mom of our student, yeah, she was great. Mm-hmm. She was very helpful. Mm-hmm. And other expats that we knew there um, did choose to have have kids there, with uh, varying degrees of 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 Success. regret or or not. <laughs> right. But I think a lot of a lot of Westerners choose to to go back home and yeah. and just do it yeah. in, a, in a familiar setting. I feel like I heard of some people who would just like go into Europe to have mm-hmm. their yeah. babies too. Mm-hmm. Even Kurdish people, mm-hmm. Kurdish women. Yeah. Going Often in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Just because like if something happened, there's a, a better level of care there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it turned out, um, Henry was uh, uh, delivered by C section, so we were thankful to to just be at home and with family and hospital setting that we were comfortable with. Um, so you, how old were Henry and Millie when you guys moved back to the U.S.? Henry was two and a half, and Millie was almost a year, not quite a year. Okay. So still pretty young. Still pretty young. So do they remember Kurdistan, or is it like... Henry has one memory of Kurdistan, and I think it's more because we talk about it Mm -hmm. a fair amount. It's when John hit his head and had to go to the hospital. There was blood involved. And <laughs> it's funny how trauma tends to stick with you. Um, but you've been back to visit without your kids since yeah. then. Yeah. What was it like to go back sans kids just for a visit? Definitely more freeing in some ways. I mean, the travel was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. It felt like, yeah, I mean, it was really a vacation in a lot of ways. To be able to take a plane trip and hold hands and stroll, you know, without without juggling the kids. Um, so Except that was the one that I was pregnant with. True. <laughs> but to have more flexibility to go out at night with mm-hmm. the students and yeah. um, not, go on be, a, not be tied to a schedule. Go on long hikes. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> Seth, if you're listening, you took us on an epic hike. We'll give you that. <laughs> That sounds like a story. Did Were people like, why are you here without your kids? There was a little bit of that, but, you know, why didn't you... We wanted to see your kids, that kind of thing. Right, not like, you've abandoned your children yeah, so more much. Like, like, you're selfish that you didn't bring them with you so that we could see them yeah. again. <laughs> people, yeah, people get that it's expensive and difficult yeah. to cart your kids all over the world. Yeah. Definitely. But it, there always is, like, this sense of, They'd rather see the kids than us. I think in a joking way, <laughs> right. like like grandparents maybe. Sure. You know, where's your kids? Yeah. Why didn't you bring them? Why did you come? Why did you even come without your kids? So things like that are just in in good humor. I do that to my uh, sister-in-law whenever I go home. I greet all of her children first, and then I'm like, "Oh, hey, Liam. <laughs> like, I really come to see you." Except I totally did. Do you have any advice for um, either young married couples or young families that are thinking about, not necessarily Iraq specifically, but um, living internationally? Are there things that you look back at and you're like, I wish we had like done this differently or been prepared for? I guess I would just say don't. 
don't be scared of having your kids in a foreign context. Um, Not necessarily delivering them there, but, no, no, but yeah, bringing them th with you. That's there. a separate question, but but having and raising your kids um, somewhere, whether it's a few years or longer, it's it's definitely doable. Mm -hmm. um, but we know a lot of great, a lot of great families, expat families that we were friends with while we were there, many of whom are still there, and they're. You know, God's called them to raise their kids there, probably for their their kids and their kids' entire childhood, um, and that's that's a huge undertaking. But it's possible, and um, their kids are going to learn things and benefit from that experience in some amazing ways. So I guess, yeah, don't let fear dissuade you from going overseas um, because you have kids, but also don't be afraid of of raising your kids in that context. I think you learn, you're, whether you have your kids in the States or Timbuktu, you're still, you're still doing something that you've never done before. You're still learning as you go and making mistakes and the setting may be different, but you and your kid are the same mm -hmm. uh, in either place. It's not all up to you, it's up to the Lord and um, just learning day by day. Um, do you guys think that would you like to someday, maybe when Henry and Millie and now Ned are older, would you like to take them back and be like, hey. Definitely. You were here for some of your life, at Definitely. least. All I three mean, of them were for uh -huh. some small part of their life. It's, We've talked about that. Kurdistan's has been and always will be a huge part of our lives. And the the kids have heard us talk about it um, incessantly for since since we were there. Um, so we definitely want to take them back someday and show them around and have them experience what what has been such an important part of our lives. Cool. Um, well, thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for talking to me. Um, hopefully Colleen has survived your kids. Um, <laughs> thanks, Colleen. <laughs> yeah. And if you guys have questions for John and Mary... Um, all our contact info will be in about 20 seconds. So send us an email. We'll pass it on to John and Mary and get your questions answered somehow. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Hannah. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.